come on. How are, uh, any young people in the room? Any, any young and free people? Yeah, young and free. Fantastic. Good. Because um, how, how, how big is eternity? Is it like this big? Like, you can't measure it, right? Because it's, so, yeah. So when it comes to being in the kingdom of God as a born-again believer, you are a young person, let me tell you. I actually had a wonderful opportunity this morning to go to a morning tea to celebrate a young person who passed away into the presence of the Lord um, over the Christmas break. And she was 90. And so she was just, oh, tell you what, if she was only 90 on the outside, let's put it that way. She was about maybe that high, but I would never pick a fight with her. She's a pocket rocket. Her name was Roma. And now she is, she's stolen all of the tambourines from Heaven's storeroom and she's dancing with them and everyone else is just having to wait, take turns. But I'm sure she's up there doing that. She's a young person. Even when she was 90, she's a young person because she had an eternal perspective. Um, now, speaking of... Speaking of over the Christmas break, we have we have been through a lot, haven't we, everyone, for the last two years? Something called COVID and how it's just ruined everyone's lives and it's just stuffed up everyone's schedules, like not just work, but study and friends and travel and family and loved ones and funerals. And it's just been really, really difficult. And something that I think I could pass on tonight is something that I could, I've learned from COVID, okay? I've learned how to stop the spread. Can't see any signs around the room at the moment. But three things that I've learned to uh, help stop the spread. You know what they are? Social distancing. So 1.5 metres at least. So what have we got here? That's about... Oh, wow. Gee... So that's about 1.5 metres away from people. Socially distancing. So I'll leave that there. Um, another thing I've learned about, sorry. <laughs> is the wearing of masks. Now I got to visit someone the other day in a nursing home. And I was given this mask because my mask was not good enough. <laughs> Hands up if you think that I look like a Disney character right now. Yes. Yeah. So does anyone think that I look like Homer Simpson? No. No. Okay. Tim's maybe. But definitely Davy Duck or Donald Duck or something like that, right? So we have to wear masks. So... Socially distancing, wearing of masks, and the washing of hands. Now, usually with soap and water, right? But I'm just using sanit hand sanitizer to prove the point, right? Don't go in my drink. Thank you. <laughs> Socially distancing, wearing masks, and washing our hands. That's how we stop the spread. Now, we've learned how to stop the spread, haven't we? Now, I think it's time that we learn as Christians, as believers... We need, to, we need to learn how to actually start the spread because we've lost touch with a whole lot of people. We've lost touch with society. And I'm not just talking about the last two years. And I'm not bagging out the church at all. I would never criticise another man's wife. And the, the church is the bride of Jesus Christ. So who am I to criticise his wife, right? But I have to say, over the years, the church has 
lost touch with society. We've been socially distancing, we've been wearing masks, and we've been washing our hands with lots of responsibility as believers. And I believe it's got to stop. I think we should all start infecting people and making them positive with the good news of Jesus Christ. Who's with me? Yeah. So we've got to start by not doing a few things. All right. So this is just the negative bits. So we've got to stop, stop distancing. Okay. Where's it been? <laughs> I probably could get it from there. We've got to stop distancing ourselves. All right. Throw away the distancing. We've got to get in touch with people, right? So instead of distancing, <coughs> instead of distancing, we've got to connect and contact. Have contact with people. Have contact with people. If you know any Christian friends that, of yours, do you know anyone who has non-Christian friends that they keep in contact with and it can't be family members? It's pretty difficult unless you go to school. Fair enough or sports, or something. Be, be intentional about um, connecting. You don't need tape measures to distance yourself from anybody. Connect with people, right? The next thing is masks, all right? So masks. Instead of masks, we're going to have conversations. So masks can stop us from talking to people. It can muffle what we have to say to people. And also, it can be like, not just this kind of mask, but like a drama mask where we put on a mask as if like, I'm a Christian person and I've got everything I need in my life. Everything's perfect. And I've got, I don't have any problems at all. I'm not struggling with anything. And I'm just awesome. Look at me, I'm a Christian. And a lot of our non-Christian friends are seeing that. Do you need to go? No. All right, cool. No, I'm watching the light and I'm in the All right. I don't know who does it. Maybe it's me moving. But our non-Christian friends, sometimes they can see us and we, we like to wear masks. We like to say, you know what, I'm, I'm okay. I'm all right. You know, there's nothing wrong with me. I don't have a problem. So we've got to take those off and start conversation and be credible. So there's two C words, right? So contact and connection, that's in the bin. Masks off and we need to start conversations and be credible. And then washing our hands. You know, it's good to wash your hands in real life. It's good to keep clean, isn't it? But have you heard the euphemism to wash your hands of something? It's to, it's to refuse responsibility or involvement in a person or, or a thing. So um, when Jesus was uh, being tried before his crucifixion, Pilate actually washed his hands, like literally and metaphorically. He washed his hands of the whole responsibility of Jesus's death he washed his hands that's where we get the we actually get the term from that we wash our hands of responsibility all right so contact or connection conversation and being credible and instead of washing our hands we need to start taking ownership and have commitment to the commission all right so there's like lots of c words okay hopefully it's remember you can remember it contact conversation and commitment so instead of instead of this we're contacting instead of this we're having conversations and instead of this we are committed we're not washing our hands of anything we're taking ownership of what jesus has called each one of us to do 
You might be sitting there thinking, oh no, Ian, he's going he's gonna to preach one of those sermons where I feel like I need to be the evangelist in Pakenham. It's like, don't you hate that? When someone comes up and they say, you've got to tell your friends about Jesus and um, you know, you've got to do it now. All right? and, and everyone's just you know, going to have to just try their best and feel bad about that because none of us are really that good at, not all of us are really that good at striking up conversations. Sometimes it takes us three times to ask for something. All right? So hopefully this is a message that is doable for all of us. All right? So first off, connection. How do we connect? Now, I drew this little illustration here for you in my book. Um, now, uh, before I show it to you, uh, any plant people here know what a spider plant is? Oh, good. A spider plant. Um, or a strawberry plant. How they grow is that they just they just grow like they are, but then once they decide that they want to move somewhere else, they throw out a runner. And that runner sort of lands somewhere, and then what does it do? It starts creating little roots in the end of it. And it starts going into the ground, and it creates another plant, which then throws out runners. And eventually, what started off with one little plant in the middle, that threw off like three runners, ends up with like 27 plants. All right? And that's how they work. Right? And that's a really great illustration, I think, of what it means to connect. So this is my this is my picture. It's not as good as the plant, but this is my picture, and um, it, it looks a little bit like a, like a virus, actually, or some kind of <laughs> chemical equation. But you're in the middle, right? And this, all these dots here represent people that have had impact by you just because you touched three people in your life. Now, just like COVID spreads, you know, some some of us actually can hang around people with COVID and not get it. <laughs> I don't know how that works. But given the right atmosphere and given that um, you, know, you remain in touch with somebody and you don't have a mask on and you don't wash your hands and keep clean, you're probably more likely to catch the virus. right? And then you're more likely to pass it on to someone else who doesn't do that sort of stuff either, who doesn't practice social distancing and all that sort of stuff. Likewise, with your faith, with the gospel, with the message of Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins for anyone who believes, right? Anyone who believes. You talk to a lot of people out there in society about Jesus Christ, and they don't realize what he did for them and why he did it. A lot of people will say, oh, Jesus Christ, I don't believe he existed. I think he was just a myth. Some people will say, yeah, he was a real figure in history. He was a great teacher. And other people will say, Oh, leave me alone, I don't really care. You know? Or yeah, he was a nice guy and he did a great thing for some month back there, but now we've now we've got science and intelligence and Google and we know everything. We don't need we don't need Jesus anymore. But Jesus actually paid the price that all people are going to have to stand before God and pay at one stage in their life. It's coming, it's inevitable, it's coming. Um, sooner rather than later, probably, at the moment, if you look around the world. There's stuff going on. There's viruses. There's, there's, there's wars. There's famines. There's all kinds of things that Jesus talked about. And it just takes one person to connect with another person to share what Jesus has done in their life. It just takes one person. I'm not asking anyone here to go and preach on a soapbox in the middle of the street in, in Main Street in Pakenham. All right? 
not doing that at all. Um, but could you imagine if if just each one of us picked one person that we know that we love that doesn't know Jesus, and we and we picked on them for a whole twelve months, okay, and introduced them to Jesus, read read the Bible with them each day, talked with them, had coffee with them, and listened to them, and and offered to pray for them and, 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 you know, support them in different ways, just showed the care of Jesus on 12 months' time, and, and they give their, let's imagine, that they surrender their heart to Jesus one day because you've got to, them, to the point where they maybe come to church and they hear a good gospel message from some other preacher and they respond to that gospel message and they go, you know what, I want to follow Jesus too because I've seen it in so-and-so's life and I want, I want that in my life. And... Imagine that. Imagine if they did that. You know what would happen? The room size would double in 12 months. And then in the next 12 months, the room size would double again. But it would be like quadruple of what it initially started as because one person connected with another person. Just one person. You know when Jesus said in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. I feel like that's too big. I feel like that's too big because for me, I see the word nations and I see the word disciples and I'm like, oh, I can't do that. I'm not sure how to do that. I mean, you're Jesus, sure, of course. Yeah, and the disciples, they were with you for three years. What am I supposed to do? So I wish Jesus had said, hey, you guys, go and make one disciple in your life. Just pick, just go make one disciple. Who thinks that's doable? Making one disciple of Jesus in your life. Lead, lead one, just lead one person to Jesus in your life. Doable? It's a doable thing. You know what would happen if every single Christian did that right now today, if they led one person to the Lord? It would just double the kingdom of God right now in our world. And it means billions of people come to know Jesus and have eternal life. It means billions of people aren't going to hell without faith in Christ. Oh, I think that's beautiful. I think it's lovely. That's something I want to see. I want to see faces of people that I've just connected with in heaven. Um, it just takes one. All right, I'll prove it. Get your Bibles. Um, I'm going to turn to two scriptures. Okay. But the first one is going to be John 4, okay? And I'll just show you one illustration of what happens by just connecting with one person. So in John 4, verse 1, uh, and the other scripture we're going to be looking at is the one that Julia read for us. So we'll be looking at um, 2 Timothy 2. Nah, not yet, not yet. <laughs> But in John 4, it says, um, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptising and making more disciples than John. So he's getting really popular, right? Through Jesus himself, sorry, though Jesus himself didn't baptise then, his disciples did. So he left, John, uh, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. So he left there. It, things were getting popular and he left there. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to Samaria village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired 
from the long walk sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Repent and believe in God and say this sinner's prayer with me. Turn or burn. Surrender your heart to Jesus today or face hell. <laughs> he didn't, did he? What did he say? Five words. Please give me a drink. Do you, do you think that Jesus needed to go to seminary or Bible college or some kind of evangelism conference to learn how to say those five words? No. No. Me neither. I don't think he did either. Please give me a drink. Five words. Like, hi, how are you today? That's four, four words. Wow. Hi, can I help you? That's five words. Morning, I like your dog. That's pretty easy, isn't it? Or you might be at the petrol station, you see someone with their cap open from, and they're about to leave. You've left your cap open. That's real easy, isn't it? Five words. Simple. What about if you're outside the shop and someone took something out of their pocket and a $50 note fell on the ground? Is this your 50 note? That's five words. All right, you think I'm being stupid, right? You think I'm being really silly, don't you? Because Jesus just said these words. Jesus said, please give me a drink. And we think that's just, there's nothing spiritual or evangelistic about that. We're not going to see massive revival from those five words. Wrong. Keep reading. What happens is he, was a, he says, please give me a drink. And it says he was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? I'm just going to stop the conversation right there. Because first off, what Jesus does is he gets rid of his tape measure and he connects straight away. He takes his mask off and he begins a conversation. And he doesn't wash his hands of the situation because there's a woman there who's not a man. There's a Samaritan there who's not a Jew and they're both alone at a well. Like There's a lot going on there culturally, but Jesus doesn't wash his hands of this. He takes responsibility of his commission of his commitment to, to the gospel, to sharing about the love of God to everyone that he meets. And so he just begins this conversation with, please give me a drink. And I want you to skip over to um, verse 28. Verse 27, actually. Let's look at that. Just then, sorry, by the way, she finds she figures out he must be the Messiah, right? He's, he, this, is, this is the Messiah. Verse 27 says, just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone. Okay, see what the woman's just done there? Is she's connected. She's not socially distancing from the people who ridiculed her for being what she was in that community. She connected. She took her mask off and she said, look, I don't care what you guys think about me. You know I'm not perfect, but I've met Jesus. Come and see. Come and see this 
person who knows everything about me, right? And so then while she's gone, verse 30, so the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while you while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. And so here they are just thinking in the natural, right? And Jesus is on task. And so he says to them, my, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Then he goes on, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. Um, what do you reckon he's looking at when he's saying that? Wake up, the fields are already white for harvest. Because what he, what he says later is the harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. So he's not talking about farms around him. I think he's looking at what this woman is bringing. This woman this, that he connected with, that he had conversation with, that he was committed to, this woman then copied his example, caught the bug, so to speak, got positive on the test, and then go, went and shared the bug with people in her community by conversing with them and being committed to them and saying, come look at, come meet this guy. And so I just imagine that Jesus is talking to his disciples. The disciples are talking about lunch and he's going, you guys just don't get it. Look. And he points to this crowd of people coming towards him, led by this who knows what looking woman. And he says, look, the fields are ready for harvest. The fields are ripe for harvest. Um, in Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, and I'm finishing really soon. All right. You guys still awake? Okay. Thank you for staying awake. <laughs> in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus has a similar conversation with his disciples in regards to harvest and evangelism. And I want you guys to know that evangelism is for, for you. All right. So turn to the person next to you and say, evangelism is for me. Evangelism is. In, verse, in Matthew chapter 9, at the end of chapter in verse 35, it says, Jesus travelled through all the towns and villages of that area. So here he is, not socially distancing, right? Travelling around all the area, right? Teaching in their synagogues and announcing, there's announcing, no mask on, he's talking, the good news about the kingdom, okay, God's kingdom, okay, being a part of God's kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. When he saw the crowds, right? He's looking at the crowds. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. We get that wrong. We get that wrong. When we pray, we often pray for the harvest. It doesn't say pray for the harvest. The harvest is there. It's already there. We move to Pakenham, we don't have to pray for a harvest. The harvest is there. What we need to pray for are workers. People who know how to say five words in a straight sentence to somebody. That's it. That's what a worker is. Someone who goes up to somebody, acknowledges their presence in the room and says, can I get you a drink? How are you doing today? Just one sentence. 
five, five words long can lead to a great er harvest. Just one person. It only takes one. My teachers used to say that a lot to me. That was in the negative sense. Just takes one in. But in the positive sense, also the same. Just like COVID. You know, it only takes one person in a family to be infected to pass that on to the rest of the family. It just takes one. All right? Thank you very much for that. <laughs> and likewise, conversely, it only takes one person to change the world. To change the world by just having one person connecting up with one other person connects up with the town and there's revival. Just because Jesus said five words. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. And you might say, yeah, that's Jesus. I'm not Jesus. And that's fine. You can say that and you can wash your hands of it and walk away. But tonight's message is not about washing our hands. Tonight's message is about being committed to the, to the, to the, um, to the, to the commission, being committed to the commission. All right, last point, don't wash your hands spiritually. Okay, you can wash, go wash yourselves normally. That's great. We love that. We do, especially, especially um, every day. Uh, what was the other scripture? To Timothy. Thanks, Julia. Oh, Julia, you can read it out for us if you like. You want to do it again? Yeah, just one, same verses. Um, actually, can you go all the way down to verse 7? <laughs> okay, you can just do the two verses and then I'll go I'll go to down, down further. Okay? okay. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Okay. Can you see the pattern there? Here is a young person called Timothy. Alright? This is the young person that that Paul wrote to him, he said, he said um, in, in his first letter, he said to him, oh, these words that I should have had ready before, but he said to them these words, the boys would be able to quote it for me, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young, be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith and purity. So this is the same Timothy that Paul wrote to, to be an example to all believers. He's a young person, all right? I think us older people who are more mature in the faith, we can actually learn from the young people in our lives. Amen. And they can learn from us too. But tonight's message is about learning from them, all right? So here he says, you have heard me teach something, pass it on to someone else, who then can pass it on to someone else. There's a progression there. Isn't that good? I like it. And then he says these words in verse 3. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For them they cannot please the officer. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Alright? Who's the officer? Who's your officer in the kingdom of God? Who gives the orders in the kingdom of God? Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't choose three of those disciples. He didn't, like there were 11 there that day when he said that. He didn't say, okay, Peter, James and John, you guys are the most experienced. You guys make disciples of all nations. You guys, you can do um, admin work. You can pray while they're doing that. But you guys, you just, you know, you're the ones that are gifted and anointed. He actually picked all of them. He said, you make disciples of all nations. All right. And I believe 
that the church over the years, we've kind of like turned it into, well, you're not gifted or called to that. That's fine. You might not have the gift or the call. I don't really, you know, I don't know if I've got the gift of music, 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 okay, that's gift of speaking, gift of music, but I can play, you know, because no one, I can play, right? So I'll do it. You might not have the gift of evangelism, but you can do it. You might not have the gift of intercessory prayer, but you can still do it. You know, like, you might not have the gift of preaching, but sometimes you might have to do it. And Jesus, he doesn't just pick and choose. He says to all the disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. There's no ifs or buts. And that's our commanding officer. And Paul says to Timothy, soldiers don't get caught up in civilian affairs. They just follow their orders. I think there's got to be a time that all Christians everywhere, we just need to smart up. We need to actually say, what do I believe? Why do I believe it? And what am I doing about it in my life? Instead of being comfortable with who we are and where we are. I mean, we've got our own stuff. We've got our own issues. Who doesn't? But Jesus is still Jesus, and he's still our commanding officer. And he goes on, he says, and athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labour. Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. We can't wash our hands of it. We can't say, oh, that, leave, it, leave it to Billy Graham. You know, <laughs> We can't do that. None of us can. We have to take responsibility, take ownership of the assignment and trust that Jesus can actually use us. I've seen, I've heard stories of, of young people um, over the years just being used by God in crazy ways and not being, not being um, you know, from Bible college or anything. Just because they did a handstand against a drink fridge, they led someone to Jesus. Stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Can you yeah. tell me that story? Sorry. Yeah, Sonia can tell you the story. But yeah, someone, they, they're just, this girl, she just was trusting Jesus and following following him and she just went into a cafe one day and she thought the Holy Spirit saying, do a, do a handstand against the drink fridge. And this guy was going to commit suicide or something and he led her to the Lord. Um, I actually was recently talking to a guy this morning who um, was in London last, or before COVID and he had a spare day in London and so he thought, oh, what can I do? Okay, Lord. Where do you want me to go? And so he got a map out and he looked at the area and he said, I don't know where to go, Lord. Where do you want me to go? And so he felt the Lord was saying to this particular park at this particular place. And so he called an Uber driver and uh, the Uber driver came, picked him up and he said, where would you like to go? And this man, he said, oh, I just want to go to this address. And the Uber driver said, what? Why do you want to go to that address? That's crazy. I just came from that address. And then he ended up talking to this man about how he, he was living in this caravan park as a homeless person and they kicked him out and he went to a bridge and he was about to jump off that morning, but he said, God, if you're real, I need you to show up. And so this man, because he was just obedient to go, oh, I'm going to go to that place, he actually led this man to the Lord, this Uber taxi driver to the Lord and had free travel for the rest of the day anywhere he wanted to go around London or wherever it was that he was staying, you know. It's crazy, isn't it? Do you need to be intelligent to let that happen? No, you just need to be committed and have contact with people and start conversations. So let's take off the masks. Let's throw away the uh, tape measures and um, keep washing your hands physically, but let's not wash our hands of what God has called us to do, each of us, okay? We're all gifted in different ways, but there's a responsibility there that each and every disciple of Jesus has to make disciples. Just one person can make a difference.
I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you that you sent someone into our life to make a difference, to share us, share with us the gospel, the good news of how you save us. Lord, we're just so thankful for that because there's so many people in the world that haven't heard that message, that haven't had that privilege. God, we just thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, for the position, the position we're in because of what we believe. What, a, what an awesome transaction that you would give us eternal life and we would give you belief. God, we're just so thankful for that. I pray, Lord, that you just help us, equip us, Lord, to be able to um, touch one person this week. And we might be able to be brave enough to step out uh, and be maybe a little bit awkward for you um, to connect with somebody, Lord, to start conversations, to take the masks off of our um, lives too so that we're just real in front of people. And, and uh, Lord, help us to, um, yeah, just to be committed to what you've called us to do, God. Help us to... Yeah, in all of that, Lord, in all of our struggles, in all of our busyness, Lord, in all of our um, yeah, our day-to-day life that's hard already, Lord, open our eyes to the opportunities that you bring our way, um, just like you did to Jesus that day with that woman. Even though he was tired and thirsty, he um, there was an opportunity. So, Lord, open our eyes to that person this week, we pray, and fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we can honour you in everything we do and say. Amen.